0: Hi, I'm John McEnroe I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm
1: Stan Wawrinka.
0: I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs>
2: Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast on Day 8 of the French Open, our 8th daily podcast from Roland Garros 2019. Myself, Catherine Rittaker, alongside Matt Roberts on what has been one of those days in tennis which makes me feel sorry for people that don't follow this sport because it has been intoxicating, Matt. Absolutely intoxicating. And yes, there has been other very good tennis and we will talk all about that other very good tennis but mostly we are intoxicated still by the memory of Wawrinka against Tsitsipas
1: we're drunk on it we're drunk on Wawrinka backhands Tsitsipas's courage and just one of the most mind-bending extraordinary matches that we've certainly I feel like I've ever had the privilege to witness I think you feel the same And one that has just... It's already been a fantastic French Open and this has just completely brought it to life. It was everything we hoped it would be and more. Just a stunning, stunning match.
2: Yeah, the most negative possible spin on the brilliance of that match today was obviously found by a member of the Whitaker family. And those were the words from my father. It feels as though that was the final and Royal Garros 2019 is over. Well... I I get his point because I I know we're guilty of falling into the the Champions League semi-final trap here but I fail to see how that can be topped in the men's tournament
1: Possibly a full throttle Nadal against a full throttle Djokovic in the final with everything on the line But it does feel. like will there
0: be
2: bottle throwing in that? Will there there be?
1: (laughs) It does feel. Will there be aggro? It does feel like Nadal and Djokovic are going to get to the final, but everyone else is going to have all the fun. (laughs) And we're going to be talking about everyone else until the final because Nadal and Djokovic are not having these epic matches, and they're happening elsewhere.
2: That is so true. For anybody that that isn't up to speed, it was. a, just a quite mesmerising match. First set goes to Vavrinka. Second set, which Matt and I watched together from the press seats, and we thought, well, well this match has peaked." Um, second set goes to Sittipat. Uh, that are really to and fro Sittipat. Got the early break. Then Vavrinka was a, a break in front. Sittipat eventually takes it. Vavrinka takes the third. Sittipat takes the fourth. Fourth, and despite having the lion's share of the break points in the fifth. It is Vavrinka that takes it eight games to six. A bit of a role reversal for um to what happened against Federer in the Australian Open, which is obviously where where Federer had all the break points. But it was Pass that took his chances. And you are not long from the Pass press conference, where I think you said it was quite affecting. You was, know that it was
1: the horror deeply affecting. He he wandered in. A shell of a man took his place on the seat and slumped in it, sits a pass, and couldn't even bring himself to move forward to the mic. He sat there with his head in his hands pretty much throughout, sort of whispered, utter, muttered a few words. And some people have been comparing it to the press conference he gave after he lost to Nadal at the Australian Open, which was also a deeply affecting press conference, but in a totally different way, because then it was confusion. He didn't understand how he hadn't beaten Nadal that day. Today it was regret more than anything, because he he his voice trailed off when he kept mentioning the breakpoints. So many breakpoints, so many breakpoints, and he said for some reason I was expecting someone else to play for me on those break points, I wasn't, I wasn't there on the break points. I let Wawrinka do what he wanted. Do you
2: think he's right to feel that regret?
1: Slightly, I think he he definitely had more chances in the fifth set than Wawrinka. It was was on his racket a few times, and he particularly his forehand, which he just pushed wide a couple of times. But equally, I think you just you have to hand it to Wawrinka who. As much as Sizapas seems to think he let play great tennis on those break points, I really think Ravrinka stepped up and just went into a mode where he didn't miss, and yet he still played forcefully. And that is such a difficult combination to overcome as an opponent.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> as as uh, as my brother texted me. To, I mean, the, I'm looking back. This text came through at 4:15 p.m., so that would have been. What, set, set, set two, two set, three. set two of the five hours and nine minutes he said Varenka has the biggest balls on the ATP tour by an order of magnitude and I replied I agree with the sentiment but I'd prefer a more gender neutral expression thereof but he's right isn't he he is absolutely right and probably second in line there is Sitsapas I mean I was i mean, going back in time hugely to the first set he double faulted mm. to hand the set to Varenka and I I didn't think he was the kind of... I mean, I know anyone is capable of that at some moments, but I didn't think he was a double fault on pressure moments kind of a guy. I really I really have always perceived him as somebody that just plays exactly the same regardless of the moment, but it shows that he obviously does feel it, and that makes it all the more extraordinary <laughs> that he was on the edge, on... on right on that precipice for for all of the second set for for periods of the third set <laughs> i mean okay on the precipice for most of the match yeah. Um, it was midway through that second set that he received the the code violation for violently slamming bottles of water into the ground. And he actually, I think he smashed three into the ground. And then he got up and went to the fridge. And we all thought he was doing a full Baghdatis, except with bottles. And the, and the crowd started <laughs> going, ooh. And then he just took a sip from it. And that was the only disappointing moment in the whole match. What else did we have? We had him shouting at his dad in the stands, imploring him to leave.
1: The he, he called him a zombie, <laughs> which, as Hannah Wilkes put so brilliantly on Twitter, he went sort of a full PG Andy Murray <laughs> ranting at the box, that, I, I, unless I, he was possibly swearing in a language that we didn't understand. I think it was a PG. It
2: was vitriolic. I mean, we were sort of sat sort of behind and to the right of Apostolos Tsitsipas, who could sort of feel the waves of vitriol <laughs> coming yeah. from Stephanos, and... You, if if your coach wasn't your dad there's no way you'd be getting away with that
1: I have never wanted to speak Greek as much as I did at the end of that match because the press seats in Longland to get to them you have to go and kind of go under the court and we went to them earlier and I said to him this feels like a place we shouldn't be allowed to be, this feels like a place where the players should be and actually as I left the court there was Apostolos Sitsipas leaving the court and I would just love to know what he was saying because my interpretation of it was he was analysing the match in great depth, talking to Sitzpas' brother, and just saying, you know, lots of Greek words, break point, lots of Greek words forehand,
2: you know. <laughs> and what was his demeanour?
1: Uh, he was intense, really. I mean, it was it was like he'd lived every single moment of that match and he was just playing it over and over in his mind, and clearly he'd met up with Stefanos afterwards and Sitsipas had been in floods of tears you could tell in that press conference he said it's been a long time since since I cried but he didn't actually say that counts
2: as a long time in the life of a 20 year old does he mean does he mean since that Nadal match at the Australian Open who knows
1: but but I think it's a I think it's a good thing that Sitsipas is this affected by it I think I love that he's this hurt. I mean, and that's and not afraid to show I'm it. Not afraid to show not it. Not afraid to show it and one bit. I think that's that's a something that makes it's him like stand his world out. is ending. It makes him stand out amongst the other young players. I think. Yeah. His, his reaction. Absolutely. There's
2: no attempt to be cool. No. There's no attempt to pretend that there's anything more important to him in, in that moment than than winning the tennis match. Um, and, and I think for me,
1: just. I've been fortunate enough to watch his performance against Federer in Melbourne and now this one, but the experience of watching him play was so different both times. In Melbourne it was like, how is this guy doing this? Surely he has to end at some point. And here, I was expecting him to play well the whole match, and he's made that transition from someone who you think, wow, this is a breakthrough, to this guy is an established, world class player, and he's made it In months, and it's incredible to to witness.
2: Yeah, and I'm not sure. There's how many people could have gone toe to toe with Stan Wawrinka today for five hours and nine nine minutes. Nadal, obviously, we think that's probably the the biggest stumbling block, other than his own uh, (laughs) physical condition. Although, I mean, he's defied uh, the laws of gravity, physicality-wise, in the past, Wawrinka. I mean, we tweeted a comment from from Mats Philander, um in in the Eurosport commentary booth saying, I think it was going into the fifth set that he thought Stan Wawrinka looked looked really weary and that Tsitsipas had the physical edge. And I'm I'm loath to ever disagree with Mats, but I was looking at him thinking, that's just how Stan Wawrinka looks.
1: Yeah, and they call him Diesel for a reason, don't they? He gets yeah. stronger as the match goes on, and. I didn't. I didn't think he was looking weary. Um, and it's so recovery,
2: it though, isn't it? It's.
1: I'm worried about him in the next match
2: against Federer.
1: Against Federer, who just breezed through. Um, I was. Searching for the perfect GIF, I wanted one of Federer just sort of with his feet up on the sofa, basically just <laughs> watching that match.
2: He would have been loving it, wouldn't he?
1: Oh, I mean, he's a proper tennis fan, Federer, isn't he? He would have loved it for what it was, and he'd have loved it knowing that he had to play the weary winner.
2: <laughs> I think at the moment that he won his match uh, against Leo Meyer and gave his on-court interview, Vavrinka was a set to the good mm. against Sebastian Little did they know how much there was yet to run, but. Uh, was asked I think in his on interview about the prospect of playing Sitsa pass and uh, he said a funny he did a funny didn't he?
1: He said he wanted Wawrinka to win right?
2: He said he wanted Wawrinka to win but then he, he, he was asked about his memories of playing Vavrinka in oh, yeah. 2015, which, is, of course, is the last time he played here and, and lost to Vavrinka. Is that the quarterfinals? In the quarterfinals, In yeah. the quarterfinals. Uh, and he said, I've got many horrible memories of that match. Lots of backhands <laughs> going past me and uh, terrible shorts.
1: Terrible, terrible, terrible Vavrinka shorts, but...
2: I said to you, early doors in the second set, Matt, that is... Awful kit that Stan is wearing, and you said to me, "Stan wins slams in bad kit."
1: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, what a road he's going to have to go. I mean, no one has, to my knowledge, no one has ever beaten Federer, Nadal, Djokovic back to back to back. I mean, definitely in a slam that that hasn't happened. Oh, I just I just cannot see him doing it. I've got
2: him losing to Nadal in the semis. Yeah.
1: I just think the freshness will help Federer and we, were, and we were debating who Federer would have rather played and I think, did we come to the conclusion, Stan, because Sitzer passes in Federer's head a little bit I after think Melbourne so. and Federer's is kind of in Stan's head just by being Federer. Um, Although all of Stan's wins against Federer have come on clay, so I think mm. it is it is a bit of a leveler in a way that on a hard court or a grass court you'd be favouring Federer big time.
2: I was bowled over by the love that the crowds here have for Stan Wawrinka. I was expecting maybe a slight favouring of Stan Wawrinka, but Sittipat just wins tennis fans over wherever he goes. And look, he had a he had a crop, yeah, <laughs> and they were vocal, but. It was overwhelmingly support for Wawrinka Vr- for and more so as the match progressed, they grew. And this was partly due to how well Vavrinka conducted the whole performance because Sitsipas was doing all his tricks and he does do tricks. He does he does do borderline stuff. He the pushes go- the limit. He pushes it. They're going to change his racket Um, very slowly not looking like he's in any particular hurry goes to change his racket and he does it before his opponent's about to serve
1: and I also thought it was very fitting that the match ended on an extraordinary get from Wawrinka a backhand sort of chip up the line and Sitsipas we weren't sure whether he had a play on it or not but he didn't play it and he just immediately went over and pointed to a mark that was out and then the umpire came over and said it was in And a lot of times in this clay court season, I've seen Sitsipas just point to the wrong mark. (laughs) And throughout the whole hard court swing, I just noticed how he always has no challenges left. He he seems to be really quite poor at reading which one is the ball. In press,
2: he admitted that that ball was definitely in and it didn't seem that there was any doubt left in his mind. No,
1: he said it was in there should be Hawkeye at, at slams and I mean, on clay. Of
2: course, that match finished on a moment of completely impossible drama. Yeah. Of course it did. I mean, if you haven't seen the, the, uh, it was break point. I think either four all or five all. Break point on Vavrinka's serve. The the rally ends in a in an attempted dive volley from sit to Pass. I mean, I could have I could have plucked any point there, but that's the one that that is is still being replayed in my mind over and over. But yeah, Vavrenka just he let pass kind of stitch himself up with the crowd and then pounced on it, yeah. then orchestrated it all to his own
1: advantage. That's exactly the word. He he was he was so aware of the tempo of that match and when it was right to call on the crowd and when they were just gonna simply respond to his tennis and there was, there was a game when he broke... Um, I think it was in the second set to get back on serve. And he broke six pass from 40 level up. And he did it by each point, just gradually getting the crowd more and more on his side. It was yeah. just conducting them. And the way he points to his head, I just fall in love with him when he does that. I just love that. and He gets
2: you, doesn't he? He, he, he makes you he makes you makes he care makes you
1: care and Sitsapas does as well yeah but Wawrinka does it in a, in a different way and just just as effective, and more effective for this French crowd.
2: And unfortunately, we only got two questions in the on-court interview from him, and that was when, you, of course, you were getting the instant emotional reaction uh, Two questions. Because there's still a whole other match uh, to come on court. A match that's still being played. I think Kania Shakurie and Benoit pair of have, have split sets over on long. Then that match very unlikely to get finished tonight. Uh, but he was he was choked up, if not actively crying, throughout those two questions. And
1: very emotional and thankful for the support he received and I think really he there's two parts to Ravrinka one he wants to win this tournament but there is also a sense that he is just reasonably happy to be back here from a knee surgery which could have could have ended his career 18
2: months ago could 18 have. months ago I cannot believe that that was the same guy that I watched today that I watched at play Eastbourne. Murray at Eastbourne last year I, I I, I cannot bend my mind around that fact. It's it's, it's been, unbelievable. It's, it's been
1: such a building process for him, and and it's classic because he would have seen Federer come back from his knee injury and win the Australian Open straight away.
2: He and had a little bitty surgery. It was, was, com- was,
1: it was nothing. compared he was to where was. Barely
2: anesthetized, Matt.
1: I know, but it just it's a classic case of always being in Federer's shadow if you like and Wavrinko has really had to work and earn earn his place back in these spots and he is not going to give them up without a huge fight
2: Do you think that he is not going to have enough left in the tank to beat Federer because the template for beating Federer at slams recently has been make it physical, make it long particularly, all of the things being equal, you say that's a great plan for Stan, but maybe not after five hours and nine minutes and at 34 years of age? Maybe
1: not. Yeah, I think he might have to go with what he did here at the French Open when he beat Federer in 2015 and play three perfect sets and try and take him out in three. Knockout punch. Exactly. Uh, But that is so difficult to do. However... We shouldn't, we, we, maybe we shouldn't be doubting Stan's physical capabilities. It
2: could be so swashbuckling, isn't it? couldn't it? Because I think Federer is going to want to keep the point shorts and not get dragged into a long battle, maybe a fair amount of serve and
1: volley. And I was really amazed by how well Sitsipas dealt with Wawrinka's power. He seems to be able to really handle it, not, not having to resort to hitting slices. He can, he can hit it back with topspin. For me, I think Wawrinka will be able to rush Federer more than he was able to rush Sitsapas, and we might see Federer throw in a few more a bit a bit more slice. Um, but I think it's just credit credit to Sitsapas that he was able to live with that sort of barrage of Wawrinka ground strokes, and be fascinating to see whether Federer can.
2: We think the schedulers, in a couple of days' time, are going to have uh, a bit of a tough task on their hands because they will have Wawrinka against Federer, and a, a reminder, as if anybody needed reminding, that there is. A huge chance that this could be Federer's last French Open. I, I really don't think he's playing clay next year because of the Olympics. And in two French Opens' time, he'll be very nearly 40. So, it's a big chance. Big chance that'll be his last match at the French Open. at that, or 11-time champion Rafael Nadal up against a Frenchman. I mean, again, big if here, Benoit Paire, one set all against Kane Ishikori. But Nadal against a Frenchie? Or Federer against Wawrinka. I mean... Why don't you just put them both on long then, just to keep it fair? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I really don't know what they'll do. I, neither would surprise me being on, no. being on I, I mean, You can make a case for both, but I personally would put Federer or Wawrinka on Chetre.
2: Spoiler alert, Rafael Nadal won. In straight set, 626363 over Juan Londero tell me the <laughs> Juan Ignacio Londero
1: yes I I again I didn't the, see a ball of that match because the, the French was, Open app
2: at least knows that he's right handed
1: he's doing better than ball he's got ball really
2: bad hair I don't know if that's <laughs> recent hair
1: oh no he, yeah he does look like that yeah, yeah. Mm. sort of blonde highlights
2: frosted tips are not in fashion it's not 1998
1: but I I mean I get the feeling he actually competed really well today it was a he had snazzy re- kit on it was a reasonably lengthy straight set Defeat. <laughs> Isn't it
2: all? Oh, but that's because of all the the um...
1: trouser picking. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Thanks for helping me out there, Matt. Yeah, that's because of all the the faffing. Yeah. <laughs>
1: he's a he's a grinder on clay. He was just never mm. going to beat Nadal today, and and uh, didn't and didn't. Moving on.
0: Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or your smart TV, both in HD. Matt, this sounds like your kind of thing.
1: Yeah, there's nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere, dipping in to where there's the latest final set tiebreak or even the latest bit of aggro.
2: And David, don't worry, you can just watch your favourite court, Suzanne Longlen, all day if you want. But whatever you choose, the French Open promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history.
0: Do you know, I think in a lot of ways, the French Open is now my favourite slam. It's the strategy of the clay court tennis, the way it challenges players, and particularly now with legends of the game up against a new generation of young players. I cannot wait.
2: Be there when it happens with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Subscribe to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Yeah. Uh, we had the women's, other than Stevens-Muguruza, which was won by Stevens in... I mean, I, I don't think Muguruza had a nightmare, but Stevens was just better today. Six four six three. 4 uh, That match, unfortunately, overshadowed by the by the dramatic final set of uh, Pass and Vavrinka, which is a real shame because it deserved a greater spotlight, but uh, I mean, anything would have been in the shadow of that match uh at the time so Sloane Stephens she will play Britain's Jo Conter, who won through in straight sets six, 6-2-6-4 six, it was a it was a very convincing very very convincing win over Donna Vekic to become the first British woman through to the quarterfinals here in Paris since Jo Jury did that in 1983 and that Stat will be wheeled out again if she wins again because Jojo reached the semi-finals that year but I mean it's not out of nowhere for Jo Conta because she was a finalist in Rome and before that a finalist in Rabat but it's still a bit out of nowhere because she'd never won a French Open match in the main draw
1: as she as she's <laughs> so often stresses yes it's, she's still on for the reverse Ostapenko, isn't she of, <laughs> Yeah. winning no matches and then Stranger
2: things have happened I mean stranger things happened two years ago
1: Yeah uh, and I think that's a good point you make about how it isn't it wasn't totally totally unexpected because she had clay court form coming in here and I just think Conta's whole career if you look at her best results at slams they've all come when she's had a good build up she's she's all about that confidence and just getting on a roll and so I've got down the
2: absolute opposite of Sloane Stephens who requires no rolling whatsoever yeah I mean she won the US Open when
1: she barely played a match Um, but Conta she ended 2015 really strongly started 2016 reached Australian Open semi-finals 2017 she'd won Miami reached the final in Nottingham and then went on to reach the semi-finals at Wimbledon and 2019 I think it really started with the Fed Cup then she had a good clay court swing and now she's in the quarter-finals here I think I think that's so important for Joe Conta. You, you would never pick Joe Conta to have a random good result. It's all about the process and building and getting confidence. Um, and it's always felt just so sort of alien, clay court tennis to her. But I, I think she's always said, it's just because I haven't been confident at that time of the season. And now it starts to all make sense. It's like, well, yeah, she's got a good serve. She's got great ground strokes. That, that, that works on any courts and she's just added, she's improved her movement a lot and she's added a little subtlety to her game, yeah. that malleability that and we I spoke about. I think the about. rules
2: about what games work on clay are being slightly debunked a bit. I yeah. mean, Karolina Prishkova, that doesn't look like a clay court game. Petra Govitova, that doesn't particularly look like a traditional clay court game, but the, yeah, that the rules, yeah, it's not like that anymore. Yeah,
1: we might you know, we might end up with Hallett Stevens possibly in the final who you would say are clay quarters, but plenty of people who aren't natural clay quarters can play well on this surface and are playing well on this surface.
2: You'd obviously pick Stevens as the favourite for that, but then you look at the head to head and see that Joe Contra has beaten Sloane Stevens twice this year, including in Rome a couple of weeks ago. Which is huge, surely, mentally, and, and mentally is is everything for Joe Conter.
1: Yeah, having well knowing that she can beat Sloane Stephens on a clay court, she she has facts that she you know she can do that. I still take Sloane Stephens. <laughs> yeah, me that too. All said.
2: <laughs> I mean, I take Sloane Stephens as I said yesterday. When Sloane Stephens takes her be- plays the best, I take her against anyone. So, against
1: yeah. Sloane Stephens. Yeah, I. I think maybe Conta might have preferred to play Muguruza, match-up-wise, uh, mm. but I, I think she'll give Stevens a good go, and she is officially 100% in the mix, <laughs> Joe Conta
2: <laughs> Because there's only eight players now, therefore they're all in the mix. Indeed. Brilliant. Marketa Vondrushev is in the mix, Petra Martic is in the mix. We're going to have a drop shot off in that quarter-final.
1: Do you think Petra Martic is in the mix? I mean I know I know she's in the well, quarterfinals, but I'm, I'm there's thinking, eight of them, Matt. I'm thinking, they're in the mix. I'm thinking if if there's one player who's not in the mix, I think it so might be Petra Martic. S-
2: There's a gang of seven hanging out there in the mix and Petra Martic is playing Scrabble in the corner on her own. Possibly.
1: I just I mean <laughs> I thought I thought she was good today to to get past uh Carcaneppe who's a difficult player to beat at a slam, but I I worry about the gears. I'm, I'm not sure she's got gears to go into that a lot of players left in this draw to have including Vandrusova. Vandrusova's
2: got gears. 2 and 0 against I mean Sevastova looked like a ghost of a woman.
1: Sevastova went from playing the best <laughs> match of the tournament to I think it has to be said the worst. She she was really it poor. Was it was dire. It was dire. She was really poor today. Uh, she couldn't she couldn't find the court. It felt to me like she couldn't handle von Drusseva's ball like, it was coming onto her strings and she wasn't able to control it
2: I interviewed von Drusseva after that match and I, in my head she was quite a, st- a tall sort of statuesque type person and she was teeny tiny Yeah, teeny tiny
1: Yeah, she, she, she came into press and I asked her you just seem so composed and so comfortable for a teenager how are you doing this and she said well I, I had my difficult year last year what,
2: when she was 18. When she was
1: 18, and she still she thinks won. she's
2: only going to have one in her life. And she so still won about. Sweet. And
1: she still won about 15 Cronky. or 16 matches. But
2: <laughs> hope you didn't burst her bubble.
1: <laughs> but she the does. The worst
2: seem, is yet to come, Marquetta. She does no, seem no. so no, really.
1: unaffected by being in a Grand Slam. Oh, 16, quarterfinal. It's late. She Davidson's, didn't blink today. There was Davidson's no, she like... She doesn't oh, feel like a teenager, and she doesn't. She she doesn't have the ups and downs that you expect, the emotional ups and downs.
2: I'm trying to make Dropshot Dragon take off for Market von Drushva. I almost, I almost put that to her in, in my post-match interview, but uh, d- decided it would be a little bit unfair because she was so sort of in the haze of the moment, sort of pitching a new nickname to her (laughs) Uh, poor thing I mean was she even born when Albert Portis was a thing anyway I I
1: ducked it Matt so well Tamayani Carriol asked her have, has anyone ever said that you hit too many drop shots and she just laughed and said no there's no such thing no such thing um,
2: um, Kane Ishikori, incidentally the fact that he is locked in battle with Benoit Paire probably means our dreams of a Nishikori under on serve are dying with the Parisian light this evening
1: he well he's going to have to do it when he's Crashing my final in the court Evidently, yeah, he's just only, saving
2: it for the right moment. The only
1: time he's going to do it is when he's leading and against Nadal. It's pretty much now or never situation. But
2: he'll be two all in the fifth set. He'll start cramping and he'll just underarm serve. God, it yeah. would be amazing. So tomorrow's schedule is just loading <laughs> <laughs> on my phone. Uh, it's not too bad. We start with Sophia Kennan, Sonia Kennin. Both of them are going to take to the court against Ash Barty.
1: Great. That would be a good match, that, I think. Good really match, good match.
2: yeah. Battling. Uh, followed by Djokovic against Struff, Then team against Monfils. And then Halep and Sviertek. Uh, but the women have the graveyard slots again on both the main courts. And... We don't have time to to go into it in detail, but it's kind of yes. I mean, we praised the the um, equity of the scheduling earlier in the week, and yes, it's two women's, two men's, and sort of in the headline in in the headline sense of sense of the of the words, there is parity. But we all know there are recognised good slots and recognised bad slots on those courts, and we know that slots two and three are the good ones, and slots one and four are the bad ones, and the women have been in one and four today and tomorrow were they and yeah yesterday as well because Serena played played at four yesterday and, so
1: and you could definitely see one of the men's matches going really long like we had today and therefore taking all the eyeballs off the whatever the fourth women's match is on both courts really
2: absolutely team Monfis. I mean if that's a straight setter then I don't know tennis
1: he agreed, yeah. Speaking of which, we've got a
2: bit four. of unfinished business with Dominic Team, haven't we? Because he's done a thing.
1: <laughs> he has. Um, it was yesterday evening, he was giving his press conference just as Serena finished and it was announced that Serena was going straight to press. We, we heard that, didn't we, as we were recording. Yep. And it was reported initially... We now know to be inaccurately that Serena demanded team to be kicked out of the press conference. I've spoken to people today, and that is that is not what happened. Um, Serena Williams wanted to do a press conference, wanted to do press straight away, and or she was going to leave. Now that's the part where you could potentially criticize Serena because she—it's not unusual for a top player to go straight to press but threatening to leave and not do press put the organisers here in a slightly tricky situation because team was already giving his press conference in the main room. Now, Serena would have been happy to go into room two, but it was...
2: As Djokovic did last year when he lost to Cechinato.
1: But it was determined that it wasn't suitable enough in terms of size. And also, what I found out today, there was also an interview going on in room two at the same time. It was at the back so if you were just looking on the monitor or the screen it would have looked like it was empty but there was actually an, inter- an interview going on so if, you were going, if she was going to have to do press she was going to have to interrupt someone and it was a very difficult situation for the people to, for the t- Organisers to beat him because if Serena hadn't done press, all the journalists would have been very cross about that as well.
2: Yeah, she would have left. She would have done because, frankly, the fine—what is it? I think it's a maximum fine of ten thousand dollars. The fine isn't enough. I mean, Venus Williams has been skipping press conferences and taking the fine for years. So, I mean, yeah, she—that wasn't an empty threat. She would have left. She would have taken that fine, and everybody would have been disappointed. So, I. I really sympathise with the organisers. Yes, they could have somebody could have stood up to her. That could have happened. Somebody from the WTA could 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 have done that. But I can't honestly say that I would have been able to do that. So I'm loath to to mm. come down too hard on those that probably weren't able to. Um, and and I think the intentions were to try and ensure that that everyone got to speak to Serena Williams, which fundamentally was the most important thing. However, it was. Rubbish for Dominic. Team, it 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 doesn't feel right, and I liked seeing him get 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 peeved about it.
1: Yeah, we were debating whether that was a good thing that he got. It's a joke. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Federer. He's not Scottish. Did did you see Federer made fun of the way he said that? (laughs) He said, "I love his accent."
2: It was the most sort of straightforward Germanic way anyone could possibly have said. Well, maybe I leave too.
1: Yeah, and and it was kind of out of character for Team to get that irate about it and but
2: he really thought about it first he, he sort of sat there and thought can I, can I do this Can I, I'm really annoyed and I really want to leave and this feels really rubbish but I'm not sure that I can yeah I'm going to do it I'm yeah. going to do it <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving
1: <laughs> but my take on it was well if he was in a really good place mentally and comfortable with his game and pleased with the way he was playing would he have got cross about it I think he would have been perfectly, perfectly entitled to it and I wouldn't have blamed him at all but he is the kind of guy who I wouldn't expect to get that cross about that sort of thing and I did wonder whether bit of stress it was coming a out. sign that he is a bit stressed about the way he's playing at yeah, the
2: Yeah, David Law interprets it differently. He thinks it's it's great to see Dominic Team expressing himself more and that's a sign of sort of greater comfort of his with his status within the game. I think there's an argument for that, but I do I think come down on your side that it's so out of character. We saw him stressing out in Rome, didn't we, about the scheduling, and he lost early there. Like, so, if
1: I was having a bad day, a bad week at work, I would get Touchy. cross about something that I normally wouldn't get cross about. Yeah, and maybe we saw that, or maybe it was just a situation that really just wound him up and oh, good on s- him for say saying. Are we saying that
2: Dominic Team might lose to Gilmore Feast tomorrow?
1: I think it's possible, partly because. I thought Monfils was injured coming into this tournament, but he doesn't really seem to be, and he's actually had a really good year at sort of consistently good. And, and efficient yeah, as well. And he keeps winning in straight sets here, which the team hasn't been doing.
2: Uh, the day is rounded off on uh, Chateau to by Halep and Sphyrtec. I'm gonna go and watch Sphere Tech.
1: Yeah, that, I think watch her lose. I think it could be a step too far, but great great experience for <laughs>
2: but her. But the steps thus far have been very good. Longlen is Siniakova against Keys, then Fanini's Verev, that's the men's match of the day. For me, although Hatchinov del Potro, that's good too. And then uh, Anisimova and Bolsova. I'd rather a ticket for Longland tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I think I w- two days in a row, I think a yeah. Longland ticket them. was the one.
2: Uh, doubles is happening too. We will cover the doubles when it gets uh, closer to the business end of things because Mova lost in the doubles today, so we're going to steer that was, clear That was the today. real match for the day. And Matt's still getting over it.
1: Yeah, because Mova and Benchić lost to Azarenka and Barty. What a... What a well, you said to me... There's a weak link on that court, Matt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I mean, it then was, you made the point. It was it was a, a a star-studded court, let's face
1: it. Yeah, and I can see Kuzma have been quite a good doubles player. Because she doesn't was, have to move. Doesn't have to move, yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, Azarenko and Barty now play Stoza and Jang, the uh, Australian Open champions. That was one of my moments of the year, actually, watching yeah. those two when that Australian Open. And
1: I noticed today another women's doubles result was that Ostapenko and her partner, who's name off the top of my head, I can't remember, but they beat uh, Shea and Stritzkova, which is just a fun pairing as well. Um, Shea and Stritzkova, is so o- brilliant. Ostapenka is now getting some wins other than just her seventh win the singles title here she is getting some in doubles as well
2: we've been the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph with our executive producers tennisballs.com with rio with a y it's been a, a quite glorious night of tennis day of tennis hot five hours nine minutes of tennis and more to boot as well but that particular match uh, Sitsapas and Vavrinka, will live long in both of our memories apologies if you're not a Sitsapas and Vavrinka fan and you've been bored for, for large portions of this podcast we've dedicated most of it to that match but it really was one for the ages I think and it's been a great joy for us to be here for it and cover it for you the tennis podcast listeners we hope you've enjoyed it we hope you're enjoying all of our daily podcasts from this quite sensational French Open we've got seven more of them to come
1: my last day here tomorrow. Oh. I'm quite you're crushed about that, I'm going to sentimental already.
2: It's all right, though, because uh, David Whitaker says the French Open's over now, no, so you're not going to be missing anything. <laughs> See you tomorrow.
0: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.